Hey there, my name is Lexi, and thank you so much for joining me today for this Q&A session. I want to apologize because my original goal for doing these was to make it an end of the month situation, but I completely forgot because um, a lot of my patrons been going through some financial issues, and so, you know, they been up front with me about having to cancel their subscription to my Patreon because financially they need to get some things together. So um, that kind of did put a little damper on my, you know, my plans for what I do for Patreon because the Q&A is for Patreon, but you know, um, well, Patreon, patrons get priority when it comes to asking the questions. So patrons, we get their stuff answered for sure. And within the first 10, 15 minutes of a Q&A and then the rest of the public, whoever was interested in getting their questions answered, then I would answer those after all of the questions of the patrons. But all of that to say, my apologies, I still want to do a Q&A regardless of how many patrons I have. So it's kind of a little bit of a blow to my ego or my pride, whatever you want to call it. But I am going to stay consistent with these Q&As. Um, I'll see what the response is like for monthly Q&As. If I don't get a response that I like, then I will move it to maybe once a quarter or every other month, you know, just playing with the timeline. But I do have some questions that people submitted to me through Instagram. Thank y'all so much for submitting those questions. There are nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 questions total. So this, this shouldn't be very long. Um, and if you are listening to this, the replay on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, please make sure you go ahead and give me a thumbs up, like the video, like the episode, rate me five out of five stars, leave a review. If you're on YouTube, leave a comment. All of those things really help to tell the algorithm that this is a nice interactive piece of content. And let me know what questions you might have for the next session if you are not tuned in live, okay? Um, you can submit questions either by email, by commenting on the videos, or by coming on to Instagram and sending me a DM or watching out for when I ask for questions for the Q&A session, okay? Just in case anyone was wondering. And it can literally be about anything. Although my channel is mainly centered around music, it can literally be anything because there are so many principles that affect a multitude of layers in our lives, okay? Right? So without further ado, let's get into the Q&A. First question, how can I get better at mixing music? To get better at mixing music, the simple answer is you just have to do it. It's like Nike, just do it. To get better at doing anything, you have to do it. You're not gonna be great at it when you first start, but you're also never gonna be great at it if you never practice it. Practice does not make perfect, practice makes improvement. So to get better at mixing music, I'm gonna use the same principle that I apply to myself when I'm doing vocal exercises, right? Or when I was learning and teaching myself how to sing, I would imitate what I heard my favorite artists doing and I would sing those things and see how it felt for my own voice and I would figure out how to sing those things in a way that was not straining for my voice, right? But it took time, it took me researching, 
as far as who are the artists that I like, what are my favorite songs, really listening in like, okay, what are they doing? How are they doing this? How do I imitate that? How do I get to what they are doing? So I would say apply the same principle to your mixing. What are some songs that you really admire that really kind of just resonate with you? And who did it? I know that we don't have like CD cases anymore, but one of the things I loved about having CDs was that you could open up the insert, the booklet, and it would show you all of the credits. Who wrote the song, who performed it, who engineered it, who mixed it, who mastered it, where was it done? So you could even go as far as whatever song most resonates with you or just really hits you, you know, it really inspires you and makes you feel inspired to want to do music and mix music. Then I would say, look up the credits for that song, find out who the recording and mixing engineer is on the song, find out where the song was recorded, and then find out um, what kind of equipment that studio had. Because you can call, if it's not on their website, you can call studios and ask, hey, what kind of, a, what kind of equipment do you offer? Maybe even the studio would know what was used in a particular chain for a particular song that if you can get those answers, then that's one way to get them, you know, and then, um, yeah, start following those engineers if they have social medias or if they have newsletters, follow the newsletters and, you know, figure out their sound like you can listen to their interviews um a lot of engineers will have tutorials the same way that i do on my youtube so just do your research and then um yeah that's that is the shortest possible answer i can give you without going off on a on a on a tirade on a rant because i can be very long-winded but yeah long answer short um find music that you like that resonates with you that you love how it sounds figure out who was behind that and then sometimes you can go to websites and actually get the stems for these songs so you can practice mixing it to try to see if you can get it to the level that it was done so that's another thing um but really just to be good at mixing i would say that you should be a good engineer when you're recording the song when you are tracking that will make you a good mix engineer because a good mix can only be as good as the quality of the recording. So that's another layer of it. The Radicles, I know how to say your name properly now, says, I think they should put credits on YouTube and iTunes, etc. I think they should too. It's really a shame that only Spotify is like the one who puts it out there. And Spotify is not even all that accurate because they just, they don't have like the classifications the way that the old albums did. Um, Cause like I said, let me, as a matter of fact, do I have one in front of me right now? Hold on. There's a box in front of me. And I know I put something in here. Let me see. So, por ejemplo, Bunny on the board said, love that I stopped in right at the mixing combo. Oh, yes. Okay. Por ejemplo, that's Spanish for, for example. We got this T-Pain CD, three rings. When I open it up, there's the booklet with all the art and the song credits. So let's see. Chopped and Screwed featuring Ludacris was popular. And it lists on here, T-Pain, Christopher Bridges, David Balfour. Balfour, 
published by Nappy Pub Music, Universal Music, Z Songs with BMI, Ludacris Worldwide Publishing Inc., EMI, April Music Inc., ASCAP, Ahmad Taj's Music, ASCAP, Admin by Veracity Entertainment. Um, and it says, produced by T-Pain for Nappy Boy Productions, LLC, keyboards by D, Preach, Ball 4 for Ahmad Taj Music, recorded by Javier Valverde at Battery Studios, New York, New York. Additional engineering by Joshua Monroy at the Ludaplex, Atlanta, Georgia. Assisted by Neo Tanusakti. Ludacris appears courtesy of Disturbing the Peace. So this is actually not as detailed as I would like it to be. Um, when I go to Alicia Keys, it tells you a lot more. But basically, so what we found out is, right, recorded by is the key figure here. And the name that you would see there, that you see here is Javier Valverde at Battery Studios, New York, New York. So you could look up Javier Valverde, see if he has social media, see if he has a website and basically just start stalking these people. <laughs> All right, so that was a long-winded way of saying, yeah, listen to the music, figure out who's behind it and then uh, imitate emanate is that a word imitate basically what you're hearing and listen to their interviews see what they're using and then see how you can get your sound as close to theirs as possible all right b radically says agreed for writer composer engineers yeah so spotify does have credits but they're not as organized and uh as upfront about the roles like it'll just say composer or producer well or it'll just say writer but it doesn't specify who's the producer who's the songwriter who's executive producer who recorded who engineered who mastered who mixed you know but uh yeah there you go um since uh who said that bunny on the board i'm trying to tap the thing but damn it oh my gosh i don't know there we go okay come on come back come back come back come back come back bunny on the board okay bunny on the board is still here so since you said something about the mixing we can just uh stick with that i guess oh my gosh hold on there we go i'm trying to strike through this give me just a moment i'm looking for the strike through tool which text command shift x okay here we go all right, so let's stick with the mixing conversation. Um, describe making a template. I'm skipping around, like I'm skipping ahead. Describe making a template, plugins and such. Okay, so keeping in line with the conversation of how do you get better at mixing, once you start researching who these people are, what vocal chains they like to use, what studios are they recording out of, what kind of gear do these studios have? Um, if whoever the engineer is, and they have certain plugins like that, that they like to use, then you can figure all of those things out too, right? So once you start really engineering, like as a tracking engineer, then you can get into building a template, which is pretty much gonna be the effects that you are using on, that the effects that you find yourself using for every recording session. So for me, I know I'm always gonna have auto-tune, I'm always gonna have reverb, I'm always gonna have delay, 
I'm always gonna have uh, compression, EQ, de-essing, uh, what else? Another layer of EQ and compression. Mm, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And that's pretty much it. So let me actually see about pulling up a session on my laptop, my handy dandy laptop. And then, um, so how do I explain this? I do actually have a YouTube video back when I was doing like pure tutorials real heavily on uh, YouTube, maybe like two, three years ago, I actually went through the process of how to create a template. So I would very much like to encourage you to do that. Go check out that video. Um, ain't no way I recorded rainy day on this for real. Okay. So, and fun fact, y'all, I don't like, I know what's on my template, but I don't really memorize what's on my template because I have my template with me everywhere I go. I keep it on a thumb drive. I keep it on my hard drive. I keep it on the computers at studios that I work out of. I really don't care who's using the template because the template was given to me. And then I just, I uh, tweaked it to suit my recording style. I don't care who uses it because I still provide a certain experience with the people that I'm working with. So um, I don't cling tightly to that the way others might. So let's see here. Um, so you've got, <laughs> this is just a long conversation, but basically you have a master aux, which is the output for all the sounds happening in the session. You've got your recording track, which is what your microphone is going through to transmit your voice into Pro Tools. You've got your playback track lines, which anytime, this is the way I like to do it because it's faster for me. You have one record track and then you drag it down onto your playback tracks. Instead of having to click record on one track and then stop and then click record on another one and stop, that's too much for me personally. Just have one record track and then have playback tracks. So a playback track is after you do a take, you drag that down onto the playback track so you can play it back and listen to it. Playback tracks will be organized by what you're singing, what you're doing. So for example, if I'm singing the verse, then I might have a verse, one verse track line. If I have overlapping lyrics on a verse, I'll have a verse and a verse two track line, okay? And that's gonna account for when I'm singing the verses in my song. I do stacks, so I'll have a verse left and a verse right. And that's how I do my in and outs. And then I will have a verse ad lib track. And that's how I keep things organized. And you should label all of your playback tracks to make it easier for you to keep track of what you're doing. And if you're gonna send it off to get it mixed, it'll make it easier for a mix engineer to know what's going on and you'll get your mix back quicker because they don't have to clean up your mess if you keep it clean, okay? Um, so yeah, verses, and then I'll have a hook playback line. If there are overlapping lines in the hook, then I'll have hook and hook two. And then same thing for the verse. I'll usually do some, uh, some stacking. I like to do my in and outs on the left and the right. So I'll have hook left, hook right, pan those out. I'll have hook ad libs. If I do some speaking in the song, I will have one playback track line that's labeled speaking, and that will probably have no effects on it because I want my voice to be raw and how my natural voice sounds. Whereas my verse or hook playback tracks would be routed through what's called a bus track. So basically what a bus is, 
it is like a I don't want to say it's like condensing or consolidating, but it kind of is. So you don't, it's like, you know, you're using the same effects for each playback line, right? Like with the exception of auto-tune, you have to put auto-tune on every individual playback track. But let's say that I know that I'm going to EQ these a certain way. I know I'm going to compress it a certain way. I know that I want all of these to have a de-esser on it to reduce those hissing sounds in the track, right? Instead of putting those three plugins or those four, it's usually four plugins. Usually I'll do EQ compression, another EQ, wait. I will do EQ compression and then another EQ. So it's, it's usually three layers, but instead of putting three plugins over like 50 playback track lines, because my sessions can get pretty big, I will route certain parts. So like I'll route all of the verse playback lines to a verse playback aux or a verse playback bus, same thing. Um, or I'll route all of my hook playback lines to a hook bus or a hook auxiliary. And it will have the, the common plugins that I'm going to be using on all of those things. Um, and then I'll have other aux tracks, which will have my effects on it, like delay, reverb, and sometimes I'll do like an Enigma track, which is like super robotic. But for the most part, I'll put certain effects like that directly on the track. So yeah, best way I can put it is check out my YouTube video where I specifically talk about building a template. Um, I don't go over plugins necessarily on that video, but as far as the layout and organization of a template and how to build a template, I do go over that. When it comes to suggesting plugins, um, there is really no right answer. So it's kind of difficult for me to tell you what you should put on your tracks, you know, because I don't know the sound that you're going for. And I don't know how you recorded it. I don't know what you recorded through. I don't know your vocal chain, all of that good stuff. So I can tell you the basic, the basics of what I put on my tracks is auto-tune, EQ, compression, and then more EQ. And then that goes through an aux that has more compression, more EQ, de-essing, reverb, delay, you know? So um, as far as specifics, there are so many different, there's a lot of the same plugins under different names, under different brands. So you might have API, you might have the stock EQ7, you might have Valhalla for reverbs, you might have, um, UA Universal Audio, which makes a line of plugins. Um, you'd have to research like what plugins you want and which ones give you the best sound, and that will determine as well what you put into your template. And uh, yeah, that is the shortest answer I could give you <laughs> on describing making a template, plugins, and such. So other mixing questions. I think Bunny on the board is gone. So I'm gonna go into the regular order of how these questions were submitted or are you still here? Do y'all want me to stay on the mixing for now or can I go back in order? Cause I do have a whole, there's like a, somebody asked me five questions about mixing. They asked me five questions in one post, <laughs> so. You hear? Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to keep with it then. 
since you said you were happy you came in on the mixing combo, we're gonna stay with the mixing combo. But I also encourage you to stick around for the, for the other combo too, you know? So mixing questions from one person. Why did I put it like that? And um, I will do a Lex chat where we actually talk about mixing. So if you want to bunny on the board, you can um, DM me certain questions or specific questions that you might have about mixing if I don't answer them in this Q&A today. Um, I will do a whole Lex chat on that. So the first one this person asks is how to get a crystal clear mix like you hear on the radio. First thing that comes to my mind is you need to make sure the song was recorded well because a mix engineer can only do so much. Like the mix engineer is limited by the quality of the recording. So if it was a badly recorded song, you're not gonna get the radio quality that you're probably looking for because the quality was not looked out for to begin with. So how do you get a crystal clear mix like what you hear on the radio? It's gonna start, honestly, it's gonna start with the artist and the recording experience of the artist. Artists who understand how to record will come out with cleaner recordings because they understand, they understand things like having a pop filter on the microphone. They understand that you shouldn't, this is gonna sound horrible, but they understand that you shouldn't be all up on the microphone like this when you're in the studio that's gross for one and it sounds really bad <laughs> it sounds really bad when you actually play it back so uh, i get this with rappers the most they think it looks cool to be all up on the microphone they be so interested in looking cool that they forget that you know it's kind of your job to make a good product so Mm, what's better looking cool or actually having songs that people like the way they sound I think the the latter is cooler um so yeah you you have artists who understand the the technique and the science behind recording when you get a little softer you can come closer to the pop filter the pop filter is going to be about a fist width away from the microphone um my mouth might even be a fist width away from the pop filter. And that just creates a pretty good distance between what I'm singing or rapping um, so that I'm not getting crazy plosives. If you don't have a pop filter, you're going to suffer from whatever air might be circulating in the room, which can be really hard to take out of a mix. Um, if your artist doesn't understand how to record and they don't understand like intensity and distance from the mic, then that will affect it because you could have a thing like proximity effect where you want a clean and clear vocal, but the artist was all up on the microphone the whole time. And it's just really hard to isolate certain frequencies to get out that bassy, muddy sound that was created because the artist didn't record it properly, right? So a lot of getting a crystal clear mix is going to depend on how it was recorded. So um, I can't say, well, at the point in my career that I'm at right now, I can say that all the mix engineers I know are recording engineers, are tracking and recording engineers as well. So they, I'm sure that makes the process a lot easier because they know it's gonna be recorded with quality versus a mixing engineer who only mixes things. You don't have a lot of say in how things were mixed, so you kind of just have to work with whatever you were given. 
But uh, yeah, to get a crystal clear mix, you have to make sure the recording is good. Make sure that your artist understands how to record and um, yeah, get the best possible performance. Make sure the make sure the recording engineer understands that you got to get the best possible performance out of that artist because I can't work miracles here. Like if the artist sounds terrible, there's only so much I can do with auto-tune. But if the, if the artist was nowhere near the key that I needed them to be in, it's going to sound digital because I tried to melodyne it and auto-tune it and automate it to get it as close as I could. But if you hand me garbage, I'll give you a shining ball of shit, okay? Shiitake mushroom. So best way to get a crystal clear mix is to get a crystal clear recording. Do not allow clients to rely on mixing. Mixing will not fix a bad performance. It might polish it up a little bit, but it's not going to make it the best quality. So educate your clients on where to stand in relation to the mic. Educate them on how their intensity and their distance from the mic affects the quality being recorded into Pro Tools. And um, I guess from an engineering perspective, don't do too much. Like you don't have to put all these effects on it, on the outboard gear before the signal even reaches Pro Tools. Because if you make if you make a mistake in how you recorded it, once you get it in there because you used outboard gear, it's it's in there. So be very sparing with how much EQ and compression you use as a recording engineer. You don't want to do too much because you can't do anything about it once it's recorded that way. So be very sparing about your EQing and your compression when you're recording. And then, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. If you want a clear mix, then get a clear recording first. And I'll probably keep these questions for an episode that is purely about mixing. Next up, are there certain headphones I should use? I would say Sennheiser has always been cool for me. Um, I would not use consumer headphones like Beats by Dre. Sorry, Dr. Dre. They're just way too bassy and they're meant for the uh, consumer. Oh, I was like, why do I hear this? They're meant for the consumer to have a certain experience. Um, I know for sure that the Beats by Dre headphones are super bassy. Um, I've never recorded in them, but Bose headphones have always been like luxury brand for me. Um, but Sennheisers are really good. Um, Audio Technica headphones I found are really good for me. And actually, Scarlett Studio headphones are really good in my opinion. I really like the way these sound. They have a nice soft cushion that goes and it cups my ears and a soft mesh on the inside. Um, they're not too bassy, they're pretty true to sound. So when I'm mixing in these headphones, it sounds good when I go from my headphones to my car. So. Uh, just play around with it. And if you notice that when you mix in certain headphones and you go to compare it in the car or you compare it in your earbuds, um, maybe that will be your test. But I will say it may be better if you mix in headphones that are not that great of a quality because it's been said that if you can get something to sound amazing on a cheap system, then it should sound amazing anywhere. So it's very subjective 
um, the kind of headphones that you decide to get. It's a trial and error kind of thing. What volume level should instruments be? This is a very mm, volume level. I can't give you a specific on that, but I can tell you when you are recording, like actually tracking and, and recording that you want the signal coming in. You want your meters to read very strong green and poking into the yellow. If they start turning orange, you're about to distort. Um, if they turn red, then it's probably distorting and it's probably very crunchy sound. So I can't give you a number on what the volume should be, but I can tell you that your meters should be a strong green and a midway yellow. When you start touching the top of the yellow going into orange, you, uh, you're, gonna, you're getting in trouble there. So yeah, that's that one. Oops. How to mix the bass line in 808. And is there a certain decibel level as far as what the ear cannot hear? Oh, this is like a two part question. I've heard the cutoff should be around 45. Uh, uh, I don't like giving specifics. So, okay. The range for humans to be able to perceive sounds is 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz. So 20 to 20K hertz. Um, I would say that at about 60 and below is when you're feeling the bass more so than hearing it. That's where the That's where the body of the bass lives, the thickness of it lives. 60 and below I'll say but the bass can go up to it depends what you're recording you're saying the the bass line in the 808 specifically let me break this question down how to mix the bass line 808 um bass line in 808 is more so in my opinion something that's felt so I think it's okay to let it be like spread left and right instead of concentrating it down the center. You want the base, in my opinion, to hold, it's like a glue. It's a glue in my opinion. And um, you want it to be felt throughout the entire track. If you try to concentrate the base in one specific pocket of the song, that's not gonna work because bass travels a lot differently from higher frequencies. Um, this is when you'll have to get into studying your science of sound. Bass, fre bass frequencies are a lot wider um, and longer than higher frequencies, which are shorter and more precise than bass frequencies. So they're going to react differently. So it's going to spread out in a song anyway, just based on the science of its sound. So allow it to be spread out in the song, allow it, allow it to be felt and uh, allow it to be wide and a little bit chunky. You'll know what I mean when you're hearing it. Like you don't want your bass to be wimpy. You want a hefty bass, you know? Um, but you have to play with the sound. I, again, I can't give you specifics because it's going to vary depending on the song. Next you ask, is there a certain decibel level as far as what the ear cannot hear? Which we did go over that. Technically, scientifically, it's been said 20 to, two, 20 to 20,000 hertz is the range that human ears can perceive. 
But once you start getting like past eight, nine, 10 K, it's really hard for humans to perceive. And then it's even hard for us to really perceive. Like it's more of a feeling in my opinion, for me anyway, it's more of a feeling if I take 60 Hertz and below out, then the song feels more thin. But if I let those base, those frequencies live, then the song feels more full. So yeah, use your, use your perception of what you hear and what you feel to determine where things should be. Okay, what volume level should snares and hi-hats be at? Um, I'm gonna say I don't know, it's all subjective. It depends on all the sounds you have going on. It depends where you place them. And when it comes to mixing, right, I think of the mixing spectrum as being a straight, a straight flat line or 180 degrees and you're filling everything in between that fan so yeah if it's a fan the two things at the end of the fan holding it together and controlling whether it comes in and out when you fan out a sound a song think of it as a fan you might have your vocals in the middle and then you have all the harmonies and the stacks and things slowly spreading out right the bass is probably the most spread. It's kind of like cupping everything and holding everything together. You got all the instruments that need to fill up the rest of this fan. So that's how I like to think of it. As far as volume level, it's gonna depend what instruments you put in there and what levels those things are playing at, what frequencies they live in the, the best and finding pockets for each sound so that Nothing is clashing. Everything's pretty much existing in harmony. Um, and I, I, yeah, there's there's no specific volume level I can give you because again, every song is different. So those are the mixing questions. My computer just did some, I'm like, I'm on 1024 right now. How is my buffer acting crazy? That's scary. So, okay, let me get into these other questions. Um, if anyone is tuned in live and you have questions, then please feel free to ask questions. Um, I'm gonna get into these other questions that were asked from people on my Instagram. Oh, uh, this is a lengthy one to answer. Saving money. I'm gonna try to give you like a Cliff Notes version of this. So saving money is gonna be you gotta, when it comes to budgeting and things, right? When I'm when I'm advising people on their finances, first thing I take them through is, let's look at how you've been spending. So we'll actually go through and look at, okay, for the last three months, what is your rent or your mortgage been looking like? What's your car note been looking like? How much you've been spending putting gas in your car? Um, how much have you been spending on food? If you don't have a car, how much have you been spending in ride shares? Um, how much do you spend on drugs and liquor? What's something that you pay for that you enjoy, like Apple Music or subscription services, things of that nature. So we get an idea of how you are spending your money. And then we make a list of where your money is coming from, like what kind of income do you have? And then we compare the two and we say, okay, is this working? Is this not working? If it is working, then we go ahead and we make plans for that money. Because if you don't make plans for your money, it will escape you. If you don't make plans for your money, that means you're not being intentional with it. And it tends to wander. 
I compared money to like a girlfriend the last time I made a video about this or did a chat about this. If you never pay attention to her, she's gonna get upset. She's gonna leave you. She's gonna go find someone who does appreciate her. So you need to pay attention to and respect the relationship between yourself and your money. That's how you get it to grow. If it's not working, like if your income, if you don't make enough money to supply the things that you've been spending your money on, that's how you end up in like a deficit. Deficit is when you are negative, in the negative. You don't make enough. If that's the case, then we go through, okay. Usually the biggest expense for people is food and ride shares. Um, my suggestion would be, okay, do you have a kitchen at the house? <laughs> and uh, I don't want to, I don't want to hear about any weird schedule that you might have. If you really want, like you have to make an effort, just like in any relationship, you have to make an effort if you want your relationship with money to work. So if you see that food and ride shares are usually the easiest places to be able to skim some money off the top. So food, do you live in a place that has a kitchen? If you do, do you know how to cook? If you don't, you probably spend less money investing in someone to do meal prep for you versus ordering DoorDash and Uber Eats all the time, which is way, it's even more expensive because inflation, restaurants are charging more and then you're being charged for the delivery and you're expected to tip these people who deliver your food as well. So it's very expensive versus um, if you just cook at home, you know, you could save a lot of money. Like $40 in one day would probably get you two meals, right? Depending on where you ate. But $40 at a grocery store will get you maybe like four or five servings, which could be for me, I eat once or twice a day, four or five servings. That could be um, two and a half days or that could be four or five days, depending on how I decide to eat that particular thing that I ate, right? So we look at things like that, like food, how am I spending my money on this? Can I do better by either eating the same places that are more cost efficient, which would usually end up being fast food like Chick-fil-A or Taco Bell or Popeyes or something versus ordering from restaurants all the time. But to the extreme level, which I want all of my adults to get to cook for yourself, cook at home, learn how to cook. You will save so much money, learn how to cook and learn how to meal prep. When it comes to like the ride share situation, are you above riding the bus? Are you above asking a coworker if you have someone who lives near you, can I catch a ride with you or can you take me home? Are you above riding a bike? I think in this situation, some of y'all got to stop. Honestly, being in a car is a luxury <laughs> because it does take less time to ride around in a car. Um, but also it's, it is more expensive to be driven around in a car. When it comes to MARTA, right? I don't know what the prices are now, but when my car has gone out, I made sure that I take the train, I take the bus. It's 250 for one way. And 250 coming back, that's $5 a day if I'm only going one place, like if I'm going to work and coming back home, that's only $5 a day versus a ride share would have been like 15, 20 bucks per ride. That's already like $40 in one day, maybe 50 if I tipped them, you know, 
So you got to think about things like this. Put your pride to the side. Understand that because of your situation, you cannot enjoy certain luxuries. Suck it up and try to do better, you know? Um, So we'll look at that and then we'll look at subscriptions. Are you paying for things that you don't need to pay for? Me personally, I like to keep myself busy with working and modeling and going out to perform and doing Lex chat (laughs) and recording music. So I don't really watch a lot of TV anyway. Why do I need to be paying for Netflix, paying for Hulu, paying for Disney Plus? You know, I like I don't need to pay for those things. I'm cool with YouTube. YouTube has a lot of content if I just find creators that I like. And um, YouTube has a lot of good, a lot of good movies. And if you can get over watching the ads, then stop paying for that, for those other things that you don't really need. Or if you just feel like you can't live without it, you know, I got passwords from people. I'm on my parents' account. They gave me a Netflix account um, and Hulu and Disney+. Plus. Uh, my brother let me have the login to his HBO Max, so I don't have to pay for those things. And then, of course, I have YouTube. And I'm still a little old school. I still have a DVD player and a DVD collection. So, yeah, if it really, if it ever got really bad, I got DVDs on deck. So think about things like that, and that's how you can learn to cut the cost of things. Once you cut the cost of things, then see, okay, do I have money left over after I make these changes to my life? If you don't have money left over, then you need to start thinking, okay, how do I increase my money to be able to put money towards the stuff that I actually want to do? And as far as saving, which is the the core of your, which is your question, <laughs> um, all of this is a long-winded way for me to tell you about saving, right? But you have to do those things before you can even really get to saving. You have to know the movement of your money before you try to tell it where to go. And you gotta get it under discipline before you can try to tell it where to go when you haven't been paying attention to it before, right? So as far as saving money, you have to already have in mind, what do I even want money for? If you don't have a purpose for your money, like I said, it will find its way out of your pockets and out of your account. And if you don't mind where it's going, you'll never have it because you just let it go wherever, you know? So you got to be intentional with it. You got to treat it like a relationship and you have to care about where it's going and where it's coming from. Just like a girlfriend, in my opinion. Okay. So, um, be intentional with your money savings. What do you even want to save it for? A couple of goals that I have had for myself or I do have for myself still one of my goals was should anything happen because I'm always thinking about catastrophe for some reason should anything happen to my bank account and I can't get into my account for some reason I want a thousand dollars in emergency cash in my safe at home so that was my first financial goal it was also it used to be 500 it was also like the 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 least like the cheapest, it was the cheapest savings goal. So you're gonna, the way that I did it is I had a few different goals that I wanted to do, but I started with the cheapest one. And the cheapest was giving myself a cash reserve, a cash emergency fund. And that was, it started at 300, then it went up to 500, then it went up to $1,000 in cash that I wanted to have. Excuse me, I need to crack my neck, that really hurt. Um, so $1,000 in emergency cash in a fireproof safe, 
And then my next goal was I want to have two months worth of savings. So just in case something happens where I can't work for two months, I have two months worth of bills saved up. Um, And this is where a budget is really handy because you won't even know how much you can, how you won't even know how much it costs for you to live for two months if you don't have a budget. So for me, sat down and I made a list. This is how much I spend on rent. This is how much I spend on my car note. This is how much I do for car insurance. This is how much I do for HOA, for the water bill, the gas bill, electric bill, internet bill. This is how much I'm spending on food. This is how much I'm spending to put gas in my car so I can drive around and do things. This is how much I want to be able to have so I can do things like go to the movie or take myself out to eat twice this month. You know, all of that is considered a budget. Once you figure that out, Just multiply that by however many months you want to be able to live. For me, $3,000 was a good goal with two months, which actually now I think about it is not realistic because it's actually, I probably need to bump that up another by another thousand, but I have a $3,000 savings in my primary bank account, right? Primary savings account. That should make me, as long as I'm staying within the bounds of a budget, then that will carry me for two months. So that's my other financial goal. Another financial goal would be, I wanna have an extended savings account. So like if I'm out of work for six months, I wanna save up for that. What is my budget? Multiply that by six, that's my savings goal. Another goal could be, um, I wanna be able to travel or do something nice for myself every quarter. So I would say, let me set aside this much money per week or per month. And by the end of it, I need this much. This one kind of varies. By the end of the three months, I need this much money to be able to take myself here or do this for myself. That one with this kind of savings, um, you're always going to dip into it every three, four months. But with this kind of savings, you have to make a list of what are some things I want to do that are nice for myself. So for me, what's up, Greg Keys? So for me, I want to do things like take myself to get a massage. I want to take a weekend trip in the cabins in Tennessee or the mountains of North Georgia. And so like, how much would it be for me to get a massage? Let's say it's $150 for a 90 minute massage. So I would say, okay, I have three months, three, six, nine, 12, cause three months is a quarter. I have three months to hit this goal, right? If I divide $150 by three, I need to save $50 a month to be able to have enough money to give myself, to pay for a massage for myself in three months, okay? Let's say I wanna do a weekend trip. I wanna go to the mountains in Georgia and stay in a cabin. Well, you have to account for how much is it gonna cost you to drive there? How much would a hotel or a cabin cost? How much do I need to have saved up for food? And if that's all you want to do, then that's all you, you got to deal with, you know. But I also want to go whitewater rafting and I want to go zip lining while I'm up there. Well, let's say that that's going to cost about $500. Let me bring up my calculator on here because I don't know what that is. Let's say that's, that's going to cost about $500, right? So I have three months. If I want to do something nice, if I want to take a cabin trip for the weekend, um, it's going to cost me $500. I need to have 503 months. So 500 divided by three, I need to save roughly $167 in th- every month for three months to be able to afford to take myself to the cabins at the end of this quarter. 
So that's another savings goal you can have. So all of that to say, give your money a purpose and yeah, figure out if you can even save your money, figure out if you're making enough money to be able to save. Um, And even if you're not making enough money, even if you put savings into your budget, because that's what I do as well. Every single month, I am putting money towards something. And then we haven't even gotten into debt, but that's, I feel so long-winded, but I am, I'm trying to give you as much like detail in these answers as possible, but that's how you go about saving money. This next question is very brown sugar where she asks, when did you fall in love with hip hop? So somebody asked me, when did you first fall in love with music? I first fell in love with music. Sorry, there's like something on my lip. I first fell in love with music when I was, hmm, I'll say my love for music. What year did Dirty Dancing come out with Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey? 1987? Oh, okay, well, I can't say that, but um, (laughs) when was I aware of Dirty Dancing? I was probably like eight or nine years old, so... About eight or nine years old is when I fell in love with music and it was, and I just had this epiphany just now. I actually fell in love with music on a dance tip before I fell in love with it on a singing tip because I was actually more into poetry before I was into singing. So yeah, 808 Trilogy says debt is a whole different animal. Yeah, debt is a whole different animal. Great Keys says dropping gems, 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 gems. 1988, 87. Yeah, 87. Dirty Dancing came out in 87, 1987. One of my favorite movies of all time, just so y'all know. So I fell in love with music about their bodies to move was really cool to me even though these days I'm not I can dance if I'm taught the moves but I'm I'm pretty like unaffected (laughs) to get up and move um unless I'm in my room alone and I know nobody's watching but for some reason when I do pole dancing live that's fine but like going out in person and doing that I don't know it's weird it's weird um but yeah so that's when I fell in love with music Somebody asked me what's going on with the group and one-on-one fitness training. Ah, yes, I must apologize. I have been dragging my feet with the group training portion because I'm just letting my own anxieties get in the way, honestly. But I did do a one-on-one fitness training with a client already. So, but that was like two or three weeks ago. That actually went really well. He told me he couldn't stand me the next day, which as a trainer is perfect. I want you to hate me during the workout and after you will feel the effects. All right. But uh, yeah, so that that boosted my confidence. So I might do a few more one on one training sessions before I do the group training session. It's really just about me, you know, getting it together. Uh, Something that's unfortunate that I think I'll talk about in a Lex chat is I, I and this might sound really bad, but I get a lot of male attention and I get anxiety around having to teach a group of men who I know 
kind of have crushes on me you know it's a little awkward for me um I don't I don't have access to a lot of females to a lot of women who are interested in doing this you know it's a lot of guys maybe that's just something I need to get over but um yeah I've already done a one-on-one training session with one of my one of my male clients so I will the person who asked this I need to reach out and set up a one-on-one and um honestly I'm thinking just I don't know how many people would be interested in doing it after Thanksgiving because I know it's weird with the holidays but I would make it more consistent after the holidays (laughs) so let's see uh spirit versus soul any thoughts that's a deep question to be asking spirit versus soul um soul is the noun and then spirit is the fuel that's what i would say they can be synonymous but if you're trying to break them down like spirit versus soul i would say soul is the thing spirit is what fills the thing that's how i would put it i'm not gonna deep dive into that question because i can go i can go really deep with that and we're almost approaching an hour we ain't got that much time (laughs) we do but i don't want to spend that much time next question when was the last time you recorded something that blew your mind musically Mm. at the time that this question was asked i had no answer but now honestly i should try to think of one that's not my own song but for me, the last time I recorded something that blew my mind musically was my song Smoking Smoking Mirrors, which is unreleased at the time of this recording. It's oh, I'm hungry. It's a it's a gospel song that was produced by Maurice Beats, but I actually made myself cry with that song and I'm very proud of that. It's kind of painful to listen to. Um on another note i'm realizing how numb i've made myself to a lot of things and that's a whole nother conversation for another day but the last time i recorded something that blew my mind musically and while i was recording it it wasn't really blowing my mind like it was because i was hitting notes that i hadn't hit in a very long time but it wasn't until literally like a month after i had finished recording it that I sat back and listened to it and I got emotional. And uh, that was a few months ago. As far as somebody outside of myself, the last time I recorded something that blew my mind musically, ugh, I hate to admit it because we're we not beefing, but we're not really talking no more. It's a song that I recorded with one of my clients, well, a previous client. Um, G style, have it all and want you bad. Where we we were just so in sync and in tune writing that with each other and taking each other's suggestions on how the song should go. Um that I, those songs held emotions for me and a performance from him 
that I was blown away by because it's like the sum of everything we have been working hard for. Like we had been working together for a year at the time of the, for a year at the point that those things were recorded. And it just felt good to be like, you know, I feel like I'm in tune with this person. When we come together to create, we make these kinds of songs. Unfortunately, it wasn't to last because women problems, right? A little bit from me, but mostly from his other women. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and we recorded those, ooh, when did we? Probably about this time last year, we recorded those. Or maybe even the top of 2022. And then they were played at his listening party in March of 2022. So yeah, those just felt really good. So that was the last time I recorded something that blew my mind back in January, 2022. <laughs> um, yeah, oh God, when was Smoke and Mirrors recorded? I have to look at the date. It might've been last year. Woo, child, I'm doing, I need to do better. Last question that we're going to get into, which is perfect because we're approaching our one hour mark. Last question is what kind of artist would you say you are? This to me is a very loaded question. Um, what kind of artist would you say you are? Musically, I would say I am. 808 Trilogy said it's still 2020. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. It's still 2022. Thank you for saying that. I'm hard on myself because uh, I'm not releasing things as quickly as I would like to. Uh, mostly from budgeting issues, but you know, I struggle with finances. I'm, like I'm really good at staying disciplined about myself, but I'm not making the kind of money I want to make too, you know? And I'm hard on myself about releasing things uh, in a quicker fashion but also wanting to do it properly when I release it. So thank you for saying that. You're right. It is still 2022. And at least as, at least I got a few, even if I just got one, that would be a major feat. At least I didn't say like 2012. So yes, you are right. Thank you for keeping my perspective on straight. <laughs> All right. So yeah, the last question, what kind of artist would you say you are? I would say that musically my roots are in R&B. Um, but I also rap when I'm doing my R&B stuff. I'm a lot more soft. I'm a lot more loving and nurturing. My rapping side is my more aggressive side, a side that I don't really let people into as much. So it is awkward for me to do rap songs because I'm not used to popping my ish the way most people do when they're rapping. Um, it's it's love. My rap is love, but in a tough love kind of delivery. I got something to say and I'm saying it in a harsher tone compared to my R&B delivery. Um, message wise, the kind of artist I believe I am, the kind of artist I am, claim it, the kind of artist I am. I am multi-talented, multi-dimensional, multi-faceted. I can do what I set my mind to, but my main purpose is to bring people back to loving one another and caring about one another and valuing the life of one another, which I feel like is missing, has been missing for at least the past 10 years. 
I'll say after I say for me after Nikki Drake and Lil Wayne took over the radio for a few years after that music really has not felt the same for me so my purpose I believe is to teach people to get back to that love to teach people to get back to treating each other well and I'm the artist who is going to remind people I want to be a reflection of what we are but also almost like a roadmap to how we get to a solution how do we get to a better place so that's how I would describe my myself my artistry musically and like purpose wise Style-wise, I'm chill, I'm laid back. I don't like to have to do too much because I, I never feel like I have to do too much. And so I would want my style to reflect that as well. I don't have to do too much to make a statement. And so when you see me most of the times, I'm probably in some leggings or in some sweatpants. Um, Got a jacket on probably or a sports bra. That's probably how you're mostly going to see me. I'm chilling. I'm always chilling. And that matches my demeanor. I'm always chill. I'm always calm. I'm not about to let anybody stress me out. If you are stressing me out, get away from me with that. I don't have the mental capacity for it. So yeah, that's the kind of artist I am. And hopefully y'all enjoyed this Q&A session. Please be on the lookout for the next call of questions. Like uh, for this one, I went on Instagram and I said, you know, hey, about to do a Q&A session. What are some questions y'all have for me? So if you are interested in having your questions answered, then please be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, if you were a patron of mine, um, I don't have as many patrons as I would like <laughs> because everybody going through financial issues right now. But patrons get the priority when it comes to the questions asked so the top questions were from people well from a patron one question for real um and then the rest of that i feel the rest of the time for up to an hour with questions from everybody else so yeah patron is patreon.com slash lexi atl for as little as five dollars a month you can become a patron and that's really just to support me so i can do things like this more often and be more consistent with it 808 Trilogy said, good stuff. I enjoyed listening. Thank you. One of mine said, smart moves. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And yeah, I hope it helps. Um, you can literally ask questions about whatever. This is more so music focused, but literally you can ask me my views, ask me questions about whatever you want to, and I will answer it. Um, if you are watching this on YouTube, then please like, leave a thumbs up subscribe and hit the notification bell so you'll be notified each and every time I post a new piece of content and get involved in the conversation in the comment section down below I do respond back the following the subscribers is the subscriber count is not too high I do respond back um if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave me a five out of five star rating and write a review if you would like to and you have the time I would really appreciate that all of those things across these platforms tell the platforms and the algorithms on those platforms that this is a good interactive piece of content and they help to push my content in for in front of more eyes so I would greatly appreciate that if y'all could 
help me out on that, okay? This replay, for those of you who are listening live, this replay will be available. I'll probably make it available um, as soon as I finish editing. My patrons will be able to see it, but I'll probably make it public by Friday. If not Friday, then Sunday. Just be on the lookout on YouTube and Spotify and Apple, Apple and Apple Podcasts. And yeah, thank y'all so much for tuning in to this Q&A session with Lexi. My name is Lexi. Until next time, peace. Drop top on that red lights I got.